Yeah, good evening. Welcome. It's, it's good to see such a great crowd. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and get started, if you would. We're going to start with prayer, if you would bow with me. Heavenly Father, it is truly a blessing uh, to worship with such a fine group of Christian brothers and sisters. And Lord, we just thank you for the blessings that you showered upon us. And Father, as we gather this evening to talk about our, our plans, you know, looking at the year behind us, but really focusing on the year ahead, we just pray that, as always, that your will um, would cover us, that we would walk in your ways, and that your spirit would guide us as we move forward. Father, again, we, we thank you for being a loving and great and almighty God. And Father, we ask this prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. So I had the opportunity to, to do the introduction. Again, welcome. We're glad to see you here. We have a lot of things we're going to cover this evening. Um, would like to start, uh, first of all, I, I have an opportunity to share with you. We had uh, an election this past Sunday, and we had uh, four different names on the ballot, and I, I wanted to share with you that uh, all four were approved to move forward, so I just wanted to confirm that with you. So we have Steve Record and Chris Cole, who are going to be signed up and working for us as trustees you know, for the next, for the next session. We also have Jason Prater, uh, who's going to be joining as a deacon. If you've not met Jason, I'm sure you've seen him before sitting back in the booth, or wave at us. Yeah, there he is, <laughs> up top. And then also a uh, renewing of Doug Hartley, a senior minister. So again, very exciting times. We have a lot to talk. Yeah. Very exciting times. So we're going to go ahead and... Good evening. Is this, uh, is the mic working? A little bit? Okay. Good. Good evening. My name's Jared. I think uh, most of you know me. I've been around for a long time and uh, doing the uh, uh, executive pastor role here. So I take care of uh, a lot of different things. And that means I get to come up here and tell you a little bit about the year and, uh, and what, what we've had going on. Um, these, these papers, um, our, our annual report, which is going to give you some information about the year. If you like financials and spreadsheets and things like that, that's the kind of stuff I like. Uh, we have some out at the Connection Center. It's got a lot more details. If you want to grab that off the floor out there, that'd be good. And, and most people like looking at a, at a formal sheet, so we're going to give everybody their printed copy spreads out there as well. So I just wanted to uh, quickly go over the finances and some other things that have happened this year. Uh, it matches up with, with what's up here uh, for, uh, you can see our offering. This is actual January through October, $811,457. That's actual offering uh, through, well, thank you. I do want to talk about some later staff here for just a minute. So 
Then uh, Troy, John now. Test, test, test. Hello. Yeah. All right. So, um, so this is just the, the quick version of our January through October. It's going to look kind of weird when we compare it to 2020 because 2020 is going to be for 12 months, the budget for 12 months. But uh, this will show you a few things um, about what's happened over the year. Now, I want you to look on your paper because there's one thing I wanted to point out, or two things actually. Um, one, you'll see in 2019, you'll see special events at zero. That's because that's budgeted in other areas like adult ministry. We're not spending anything different, but that, that's going to include things like what we do for Mother's Day and Father's Day and things like that. The other thing I wanted you to see on the left side, it says outreach spent $29,000. Um, and you'll see a note at the bottom that says the outreach budget had $22,000 of income back in 2017. So it makes it look a little bit weird. We have we work with Pendleton County Schools on a grant and they pay us in in advance for some of the work we do. So some some of those numbers look a little bit different um, on on this sheet because I've tried to summarize the full paper. You can you can feel free to grab that out there if you want to if you want to take a look at that afterwards. So uh, we're pretty well on on track with everything on uh, 2019 as far as budget goes and uh, if you if you move down to the towards the bottom of that 2019 column you'll see that our balance is $17,770 that means we're that far ahead uh, with of income versus uh, versus expenses we're a positive 17,000 as of right now just on operating we started the year with a, a positive balance as well so um, you, uh, you may see at the bottom of this as well that uh, Kids at the Creek is negative $5,000. They're on track to finish the year at a zero balance, which they, they've done uh, every year uh, that we've, uh, we've been operating, except maybe the first year we, we took some time to get some traction there. So that's just a, a matter of when payroll hits on that side. If you look over on the right side is our budget for 2020 and uh, our uh, offering. And I just ran these numbers today. The offering we're projecting is $997,000. We're on track to be just over $1 million this year. So that is not an aggressive number. That's, uh, that budget number is actually less than what we're projecting this year that we would get. But we always are very conservative when, when we budget. So the finance team has been uh, trying to perfect this process over the last few years. And we start with offering. What do we think is reasonable for us to get? And then we budget uh, down from there. So there's some other income in there. Uh, the personnel number uh, looks larger, uh, but a lot of that is because we've moved some things around with our new accounting system. And one of the things we realized that every staff member had a mileage budget. So Dylan might be going to the hospital, even though he's children's minister, he may be going to the hospital on his day to visit somebody, or Troy may be going to the hospital on his day to visit somebody, that mileage would come out of their budget. So that mileage would come out of children's budget, even though he might be uh, visiting someone that's not a child. So what we decided to do is take mileage out of everybody's budget, move it up into personnel so it's more accurate of what we're spending for uh, each area. So uh, the, the ministry line, 107500 that is broken down on your, on your sheet. You can see the details of that. And 
uh, just uh, it, it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, one thing I did want to mention is facility. Uh, facility went up this year uh, because we, uh, we're changing the way we do the cemetery. We've made a commitment that the cemetery that's over at South will always be part of Plum Creek. And uh, we've actually made purchased a, a little bit of land around the side so we could put a new entrance in there. Doug will be talking more about that. Um, but we wanted to also put the cemetery budget, they spend about $5,000 a year, we wanted to put that in our operating budget. So it's just no confusion about who the cemetery belongs to. In the past, they've operated separately from the church and have never had to ask for money from the church. And uh, there is some income that comes along with uh, selling cemetery plots and things like that. But we wanted to just include it in our budget so we're clear that it's, it's part of uh, Plum Creek. So uh, that team's going to continue to work uh, on the cemetery, continue to do a great job the way they have been in the past, but it's just budgeted here, and that caused a, a little bit of bump in facility. Also, we uh, increased uh, our global missions. Uh, we've, been, we've been really pushing to keep that or to get that to 10% of all of the offering that comes in. 10% of that goes back out to global missions. So uh, we support, I think, 11 missionaries now, though. There may be some people here that could help me with that. 11 missionaries that goes all around the world. So that's a part of that global missions. And uh, that, gives us, um, that gives us a balance of zero. But actually, that 18500 is the balance that we'll be moving into capital, um, capital ex- uh, savings. So we're moving savings money over all the time for big things that happen. This year we had to replace an HVAC unit that cost a lot of money. Eventually we're going to have to put money into parking lot and things like that. So the finance team has been working to be proactive about that, save that ahead of time so we don't run into a problem where we don't have enough money saved up to take care of those emergencies. So those are the budget numbers. I'd be happy to share any more about those with you after the meeting or give you the... uh, give you the uh, statements from uh, from last year and then really quickly I just want to talk about a couple other things if you look at this at the center of your paper right in the middle it says assets and debt the cash number is constantly changing because of payroll and mortgage and things like that just like it does at home but uh, on the last day of October we had two hundred fifty thousand dollars to two fifty six oh seven in savings and checking now, a portion of that, uh, that savings is allocated to a maintenance building that we'll be putting up over here because we lost the barns when we sold the farm to the school. So we put in a maintenance building over here, um, and uh, that will come out a part of that savings. But as of as the last day of October, we had $250,000 in checking and savings, and then the proceeds from the sale of the land we've invested into laddered CDs. So we have three- and six-month CDs, and that totals $800,000. So we have over a million dollars that we could get our hands on within six months. And Doug will be talking more about what, what we'll be doing with that. And I also wanted to let you know that our mortgage as it sta- stands today is $1.743 million. So uh, those are kind of the financial specifics. But, and I do like spending time with those. We switched over uh, finance systems and built new chart of accounts and did all that stuff. And I, I have a good time getting a laptop and going to a room, closing the door, and just working on that kind of stuff. But I like doing that because I know what it turns into, and that's, that's this other piece that I wanted to tell you about. It's, uh, it's the lives that have been changed because of the generosity of God's people here and what he's been doing with that. So uh, in the back we have a room called the Connection Cafe. You hear us talk about that every single week. 
We invite people that are new here to stop in. And, uh, and what we do is to start measure what their next step is at Plum Creek. So we're, we're looking at these numbers on a regular basis. So we ask people to come into the cafe, and their next step after they come in the cafe is to go to Discover. So this year so far, we've had 95 people come into the cafe, and 44 of those people have made the next step to go to Discover. And in Discover, there's a specific ask in there, mainly that they accept Jesus or transfer membership if they're already a follower of Jesus. So out of those 44, 41 of those, um, and that's a little bit skewed because there may be some kids that have gotten baptized or something that didn't go through there, but these are the numbers that we track. So we've had 44 decisions since January. So these are the numbers that I get excited about knowing all this work that we've talked about before leads to this. So people's next steps are uh, something that we focus on regularly. The other piece of that is life group attendance. And um, we have, not every week, but we have 245 different people who are attending life group out of, uh, you know, around uh, Sunday morning of attendance of around 400 adults. So uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great number. We're doing really well on that. Uh, the next piece uh, that I want to talk about is uh, just really quickly about uh, what's happening with um, families. So uh, we want to build stronger families here. I encourage you to talk to Dylan and ask him what's happening in children's ministry because he's really passionate and he will love to tell you about all that stuff. But one number I pulled out was just on Sunday morning. The average is we're going to have 85 kids in the back. So when we're in here, uh, there is all kinds of activities, all kinds of adults that are helping back there, but 85 kids that are hearing about Jesus. And I know Dylan would love to tell you more about that. Student ministry, right now we transform the gathering area into a student-friendly environment on Sunday nights. And I know Tony would love to tell you more about what happens on Sunday nights. Ask him specifically about what the kids did this past Sunday night. I know he'll love to tell you that. So uh, it, was, it was an exciting night. And, um, and that average is uh, right at 50 students who are here on Sunday nights. But I think this Sunday night it was 70. So that was, it was a good night. So uh, I know they love to talk about their ministry. They love to talk about what's happening. I encourage you to do that. And uh, just while we're talking about that too, uh, Troy uh, would love to tell you about what he, his team's got going on. All of our staff are, are excited to tell you about the things that are happening. I'm really excited about the staff that we have. Byron does an incredible job here. I, we were just talking about uh, all of the square footage here that we don't think about with the old building, the new building, the, the land who, that has, has gotten smaller now but still is a lot to take care of, and he does a great job with that. And the Kids at the Creek staff, which uh, Beth leads that team, uh, but there are other people here uh, who are on that team, and if I start mentioning them, I'll forget somebody, but they've just been working at being more intentional about connecting people to Plum Creek. And uh, even in the last few weeks, we've had some staff who didn't attend Plum Creek who now are attending Plum Creek or have attended some. So uh, that's always exciting for us that we're making that connection. Um, and then just uh, quickly about outreach. Um, we support uh, 11 global missions. We serve our community through Sharing Center, Family Promise, Tutoring, uh, and Cancer Support Team. And, uh, and, and we'd love to tell you about all those, all those things. So um, really, the, uh, the, uh, the work here has been, um, 
has been good over the last year, and uh, I was just uh, thinking about how uh, in the office a lot of times, we, we office in different places, uh, so Doug will be in one place, and Dylan usually is singing in, the, in that room, and we're trying to, to deal with that, and then Amy and I are working on trying to, to get everything, uh, everything, everything going that way, but any communication that comes out, any time where we have a need in the community, like... Um, like a funeral of a, of, a, of a family locally that needs help. Some of you got that email this week. Amy's always great to jump in. So she's not really over any one of these things, but she jumps in and helps with all of them. So all the staff uh, does an incredible job here, and uh, I know they, they would love to talk with you about, about what that looks like. So I'm going to go ahead and, and turn it over to Doug now. I think I probably was over about 15 minutes of my time, uh, but I'll try to make my next part shorter. Jared, these mics are fun tonight, aren't they? Well, I want to say thank you for making it a priority to be here for Vision Night. Every year, I really appreciate this chance to look back on what God has done over the past year and look forward to where he's leading us in the future. And I want to begin by reading something Jesus said, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. In this verse, Jesus is talking to Peter and Andrew, and he says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. At our vision night one year ago, I said that Plum Creek is focusing on discipleship. And I want to make sure we're all on the same page about what that means. Our goal is not to build a bigger crowd of people that just come to church on Sundays. And our goal is not even to make mere converts to Christianity. Our goal, our ultimate goal, is making genuine disciples who then go out and make other disciples. And most of you are very familiar with how we talk about that goal around here. It's our mission statement. Our mission is leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. But for the past year or two, I've taken a step back and I've asked Is that really happening? Are are we really making disciples? I've wrestled with that question a lot, and that was a big part of what I did during my sabbatical last summer. But in order to have a good answer to that question, we have to be clear about what a disciple actually is. What does a real disciple look like? And in my first sermon, after my time away, I, I shared a definition that I heard from a minister named Jim Putman. And he based his definition on this verse. So I want to go back and, and read that again. Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, and Jesus also says to us, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now Putman breaks that verse down into three simple parts. First, follow me. That means a disciple knows and follows Christ. And when that's true, we don't just follow Jesus when we feel like it. We obey all of his commands, even when it's not our preference. And the second part says, I will make you. So that means a disciple is being changed by Christ. Our our minds and our hearts are being transformed by the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ. And then the last part says, fishers of men. 
That means a disciple is committed to the mission of Christ. And commitment is not just saying, sure, I approve of the mission. Uh, It's not being passive and letting others do the work. When you're committed, you are actively involved in leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So there's the definition. Number one, a disciple knows and follows Christ. Number two, a disciple is being changed by Christ. And number three, a disciple is committed to the mission of Christ. So back to my question. If we're being very honest, do we see that happening here at Palm Creek? Do we see people like that? Based on what I see myself, I'd have to say we still have a lot of growing to do. At the same time, though, I am seeing some very encouraging signs. I see people coming to Jesus and beginning a relationship with him. I see people who are growing and being changed by Christ in lots of different ways. And I also see people taking an active role in leading others to Jesus. But then how do we know if we're making progress as a church? How can we tell if we're becoming more effective in this mission of making genuine disciples? Well, one thing we can do is look at statistics over the past year. And obviously numbers don't tell the whole story, but they can give us an indication of what God is doing. Now, Jared went over some statistics, but I want to look at some different uh, stats and maybe look at a few in a different way. Uh, First, let's look at some decisions that have been made here. From November 2018 through October 2019, we've seen 56 total decisions here at Plum Creek. 39 of those were baptisms, 17 were transfers from another church. And I praise God for every decision that's made, but I especially want to focus on that number of 39 baptisms. If you look at this year's total decisions uh, compared to the previous 12 months, you can see that overall the number dipped a little bit from 62 to 56. But look at those 39 baptisms. Since I've come to Plum Creek, that's the most we've seen in this 12-month period. Not by much, but it's still a record. And that doesn't count three more baptisms that happened last Sunday. But let's back up for a second. Let's think about the pathway that people take to, to get to the point where they're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. How do they get there? Well, in most cases, these people start out by just attending our worship service. So let's look at some attendance statistics. Our average Sunday morning attendance over the past 12 months is 496. It would have been cool if we could have gotten four more people to show up because 500 sounds better than 496. But let's put this in context. How does our Sunday morning attendance compare with previous years? Well, let's look at a year-to-date comparison. From January through October, we've seen about 486 adults on a regular Sunday, and that number does not include the higher attendance months of November and December. But I wanted to show you this chart because it shows that we've had consistent growth over the past few years. Not explosive growth, but steady and consistent. And I like to see that number growing because every new person who attends is potentially someone who needs to know Jesus. That's what's exciting to me. And that's why I was especially excited about Easter this year. For the first time ever, our church had over a 1,000 people worshiping on one Sunday. We had first-time visitors on Easter who came back the next Sunday and then the week after that. 
And some of those people have really gotten connected, not just to Plum Creek, but also to Jesus. So that's something worth celebrating. But let's move on to some offering stats. When we look at our giving, we get another piece of the puzzle. When people are being changed by Christ, they become more generous. So what do we learn from our giving statistics? This year, from January through October, our average weekly offering is $18,862. You can see that's a big jump from last year. And if you compare that to five years ago, our weekly offering has grown about 16%. Now, our attendance has not grown by 16%, so that tells me our church is growing in generosity. But like I said, uh, numbers don't tell the whole story about genuine discipleship. They're just clues. They're an indication of what God may be doing here. So let's shift gears a little. Let's look back and identify some milestones that tell us about the progress we've seen in 2019. First, back in January, we had our annual leadership retreat, which includes elders and deacons and staff. And at that retreat, we did some honest soul-searching. We asked each other, do we really believe that lost people are truly lost? And then, if we do believe that, do we care that lost people are lost? Because if we do believe and we do care, we, we would be doing something about it. So what are we doing? Well, at the end of that retreat, we came away with plans to form two new WINS teams. Some of you know that terminology, but WIN is an acronym. It stands for What's Important Now. And here's what we identified as What's Important Now. The first team uh, that we came up with is called our Invite Culture Team. And this goes back to the third part of that definition of discipleship. Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. But what if someone doesn't feel gifted in that area? Or what if they're really intimidated by that idea? Well, no matter who you are, there is a fairly easy first step in becoming a fisher of men or women. You can invite someone to church. That's a first step. Now, that's not the only step. Uh, There are many ways to be actively involved in leading people to Jesus. But inviting someone to church, that's a great entry point for becoming a disciple maker. I've asked Chris Cole, one of the members of this Invite Culture team, to come and share a little bit of what this group has been up to. So let's welcome Chris up here. Thanks, Thanks, Doug. Uh, as Doug said, uh, my name is Chris Cole. I'm a member of the WINS Invite Culture team, along with Doug, John Elrod, and Corey Melville. And we're always open and looking for more membership on that team. So if anyone's interested, after hearing more about it tonight, uh, just get with any of us, and we'll tell you how you can get more involved in that. But as Doug mentioned, the uh, Invite Culture team was sort of created out of that leadership retreat in January. And it kind of followed the exercise we did that we called Pray for One, where we all identified our one and then 
prayed for each other's ones. And that was a really impactful moment for us. And then later we sort of replicated that with the whole church as part of the Certainty of Eternity series. And uh, I'll never forget that experience. It was, like I said, it was very powerful for me. Uh, we created the Invite Culture team because at Plum Creek, we believe it is the responsibility of every Christian to spread the gospel by praying for non-believers, inviting and encouraging others to be active participants in a Bible-teaching church, and sharing the good news of God's word with those around us. By selecting one person to commit to praying for, to inviting to church, and sharing the gospel with, members of Plum Creek are seeking to fulfill the Great Commission. The first thing we did as a team was to develop a purpose statement. And that purpose statement is to build a culture where every Plum Creek member is actively inviting lost people to church and leading them to Jesus Christ. But it's important to emphasize, as Doug has already mentioned, that our team and our work is not just about, it's not about numbers. It really isn't. It's, it's, our focus is not on filling this room on Sundays. Doug asked me once why I was so eager to join the Invite Culture team, and I told him, I said it was because I was very uncomfortable inviting people to church, and I wanted to change that. And what better way to change that than joining the Invite Culture uh, team? But that was only part of the story. Uh, in truth, uh, there's, there was another reason, and that is when I sit here on Sundays and I look around the room and I see empty seats, I think about you know what those seats represent. I think about the fact that not that long ago, the seat that I normally occupy on Sundays was an empty seat as well. If my wife, Megan, hadn't, didn't care about me enough to invite me to Plum Creek and invite me, invite me to church, I may still be one of those lost people. So this, this team means a lot to me, and the work that we're doing is uh, something that I'm very passionate about, and that's, that's another one of the reasons why. Uh, so what have we been doing since January, since that retreat? Uh, our team started meeting in February, and we decided, as Doug met, well, I don't know if he mentioned it, but we decided to start with Easter, and uh, he, he did share the attendance number from Easter, 1,009 people. That was, uh, that was the result of just a lot of special things that were happening. Uh, we, we had outreach with the life groups. We had meetings with uh, the, the leadership team to talk about uh, sort of being more intentional about inviting people to Easter specifically and then inviting people to Plum Creek uh, beyond Easter. Uh, as I said, the whole, we asked the whole church to come together and come up with their one and invite them to Easter as well. Uh, and as Doug mentioned, what we learned was that when we invite people to Plum Creek, they come. 1,009 showed up for Easter, and that was amazing. Uh, so what we then did was we started to explore what inspires people to invite people to church, and what are the obstacles that might get in someone's way when it comes to inviting them to church. And we spent a lot of time digging into that and trying to trying to come up with answers to those important questions. And and on the first one, we, we realized that one of the things that most inspires people to invite people to church is just hearing success stories of uh, people who have invited neighbors, friends, family, loved ones, complete strangers, and they end up coming to church. They end up uh, becoming one of those numbers on Doug's uh, presentation about uh, decisions and, and becoming members and, and becoming disciples. And so... Uh, we, we started sharing some of those stories, and we'll continue to share stories uh, as we move forward. But sh uh, shifting to the obstacles, we, we learned some interesting things when we started talking about obstacles to inviting people to church and some encouraging things. Uh, we found that at Plum Creek, 
typically the things that might prevent someone from inviting somebody to, to church are not, so, are not about the church, they're about the inviter. Uh, we found that people might just not think about inviting people to church. Maybe they fear rejection. Uh, maybe they think it's somebody else's job to invite people to church and really not their responsibility. Or maybe they just don't know how to start the conversation. And, you know, I'm certainly was guilty of at least one or two of those before I joined the team. Uh, but we, we got together and we started thinking about, uh, okay, what are ways that we can help, whether it's, you know, that people aren't thinking about it or they don't know how to start the conversation, whichever obstacle it might be, what are ways that we can help them? And we decided to start putting together a toolkit, a toolkit that would remind people that it's, it's the responsibility of every Christian to spread the gospel by praying for non-believers and inviting them to church. It's not just the staff's job. It's not just um, the Holy Spirit's job. It's, it's, we all have that responsibility. Secondly, we wanted to give them the tools they need to start that conversation. Uh, it's, it, Doug said it's really easy to, to just invite someone to church, and, and it is sort of on a surface level, but there are some tools that, that we can give that makes it even easier to, to start that conversation. And so we're going we're gonna to be doing that. You'll learn more about that this Sunday, actually. Uh, thirdly, we, we talked about, you know, what are the things that we can do to help people be good hosts? Once they do invite someone, uh, someone decides, yes, I'll, I'll visit Plum Creek, sort of just simple things they can do to, to, to help uh, make that experience as, as positive an ex experience as possible. And so those are all part of the toolkit that, that you'll learn more about on Sunday. Moving forward, our work certainly is not over. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do still. We're going to continue to look for ways, large and small, to sustain the momentum that was uh, created at Easter uh, to change the culture here at, or create a culture here at Plum Creek where everybody doesn't just know that it's their responsibility, but they're excited about the role that they'll play in uh, inviting lost people to Plum Creek. We're also looking for ways to gather information from those who have gone through that experience, who have invited people. Uh, what was that experience like for them? What, are there any areas where we're coming up short that we need to address? Uh, so we're going to be looking at that. And then finally, uh, we're going to, as Doug alluded to, we're going to be developing some meaningful goals and metrics that ensure that moving forward that our invite culture here at Plum Creek remains centered on leading lost people to Jesus Christ. And that's our year in a nutshell. So if anyone's more interested in that kind, of, that kind of work, that kind of team, like I said, just get with me or Doug or John or Corey uh, after this or Sunday or any time, and we'll be happy to talk to you more about that. Thank you. Well, I appreciate Chris giving us that snapshot. Um, since uh, we started this invite culture team, we have seen some good things happening. Uh, for me, it comes down to individual stories. It comes down to one person reaching out to one more person. And I've heard some phenomenal stories this year. Uh, one of them happened several months ago. A mom here at Plum Creek met another mom at a school function or a sporting event or something like that. These two were complete strangers. They didn't have much in common, really. But the Plum Creek mom invited the other mom to church. And not too long after that, this visitor became a regular attender. And then she accepted Christ and she was baptized. There are many stories like that. 
And I look forward to sharing more of those stories as time goes by.